Good morning, South Oaks Church. How are you today? It's so good to see you here. Uh, good to see you online as well. And uh, as Pastor Steve said, we are starting a new series. It's a three-week series on Christmas, kind of before, during, and after. And uh, we're in the before today. And next week uh, will be our Christmas service, so I uh, hope you can join us for that, and the week after as well. Uh, the title of this series is Christmas Time and Peace on Earth, God with Us. And we're looking at the account of Jesus' birth, obviously, and focusing also on the lives of some of the key players. Today we're going to be looking at Mary and Joseph. And uh, each week we're going to see what can we learn from these people's lives. You know, you hear about them all the time, year after year. And so you kind of sometimes kind of zone out when you hear it, but we want to make it fresh and relevant today. Like, what can we learn from Mary? What can we learn from Joseph? What things apply to our lives as well? Well, the theme for this week is peace. And you heard that in the opening of the service even. And uh, one thing I want to just mention is, and you'll probably think, where in the world does is she going with this? But I'm going to talk about beauty pageants for just a second. And sometime in beauty pageants like Miss America <laughs> or Miss Universe, uh, they'll ask the contestants a question and they'll say, you know, what is the one thing that you would do or what thing would you like to change? Or, and a lot of times you hear people, in fact, it's even a joke if you Google this, you'll see that movies even have been made kind of making a joke that people say world peace. And why is that funny, world peace? Because that is so big and broad in general, you wonder how in the world could you ever do anything as Miss America to accomplish world peace or Miss Universe, world peace. It's just a, such a huge subject. So peace on earth is one of those huge subjects where we kind of wonder, well, how, how can I get involved in this? What can I do? In Isaiah 9, 6, it tells us, that uh, for unto us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So here, about 700 years before the birth of Jesus, this is prophesied about Jesus by the prophet Isaiah. And one of the titles for the Messiah, uh, coming Messiah, is Prince of Peace. And as we look to the events that happened just before Jesus came as a baby, today as we look at that, keep in mind this title that he is talked about in Isaiah with. And um, just a quick question for everybody. What does Prince of Peace mean, do you think? What do you think Prince of Peace means? He's a peacemaker. He's the leader of peace. He's the leader of peace. He brings peace. Yeah, if someone is prince of peace, there, there's a, that's a really big deal, isn't it? That's someone who you think could maybe affect change. It's a messianic prophecy is what they call that too. And uh, details for us that actually the only way for us to be at peace with God is in a right relationship with him through our Messiah, Jesus Christ. And the word here for peace, like Gary was talking about earlier, this word here in Hebrew is shalom. And shalom means more than peace, means more than a lack of conflict. Shalom means completeness. It means wholeness and soundness. It means health and prosperity. 
pretty much from that list you can tell it means everything that's good and true. God's peace, God's shalom, every area of our lives is prophesied to come through our Savior and our Messiah, Jesus Christ. So let's begin today by reading Luke 1, starting at verse 26. Luke 1, 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Lord, we just thank you for this time to look at what it means to have peace on earth, what it means to have peace in our lives. Father, I pray that as we look at this scripture today, that you will just give us your wisdom and your insight in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Mary, it tells us, is pledged to be married. And this is more than an engagement like we would have today. It's different than what we do today. And in this time when Jesus was born, People got married a little earlier. In fact, adulthood, uh, the time that people would get married was sometimes around 13 or 14 years old, which is pretty young. <laughs> Marriages were usually between others in the clan or the family, and fathers arranged the match, which is an interesting thought, isn't it? <laughs> the daughter was consulted, but this was really much uh, kind of more of a formality. It was, you know, she could, if she had some serious reservations about it, she could voice them. But pretty much it was the father who decided, not her. And the father of the groom, the man she was going to marry, paid a price, which was called a mar. And it spelled out what that was in the wedding contract. They had a contract called a ketubah for the marriage. And this wasn't always, this price, bridal price wasn't always paid in cash. Sometimes it was paid in kind or in service. Marriage agreement was not just between two individuals here, but it was between two families. And there were two ceremonies. There was one after the betrothal, and the woman was legally married at that time, but she still remained at her father's house, and she could not belong to another man unless she was divorced from her betrothal. And after the betrothal was made, the young man would take a portion of the house and make it suitable for his bride, either by adding on or using existing rooms and, and turning them into the portion that would be for him and his wife. 
And when the father said, yep, it's ready, then the second ceremony would take place and the groom would bring his bride home to live with him. And they became fully husband and wife. So at the time that the angel appeared to Mary, it's between the betrothal and this second ceremony. She's in this waiting time, so she's still a virgin. And Gabriel, the angel, came and brought news to Mary. Gabriel is one of three angels that are mentioned by name in the Bible. And he's also named in the book of Daniel. If you remember when Daniel was waiting for an, an, uh, an answer, Gabriel came and brought the answer to him. He's an archangel, and these archangels are the highest, most powerful angels in heaven. He says to her, Greetings, you are favored with grace. You're blessed with grace. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Okay, so we've just said she's probably 13 or 14 years old. And an angel, and if he's an archangel, he's probably pretty stunning, pretty strong and mighty looking angel, right? And he says this to her, You're blessed among women. Mary was greatly troubled, it tells us. <laughs> I guess so. Agitated. It kind of means intense. It means her mind is going all over the place trying to figure this out. What on earth is happening to her? And she wondered what kind of greeting it was, it tells us. She's confused. She's frightened. She can't figure out why someone would come and tell her this. A 14-year-old girl. Wow, what a huge statement to her. And how could she respond? So the angel then says to her, don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. So what do you think Mary was like? If we, if we say that the angel came and told her she's favored, what does this mean? What was Mary like, do you think? Faithful to God, yeah. Yeah, do you think she was pretty serious about her relationship with God? Pretty, pretty much, you might say she was living righteously. She had a good reputation, followed the word of God. She probably made her relationship with God one of the top things, if not the top thing in her life. And then the news comes to Mary from the angel. After he tells her, you found favor with God, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus. And this would have been like the prophecy in, this sounds very similar to that prophecy in Isaiah, Isaiah 7:14 about the future Messiah. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel. So you see a lot of the same words here. So Mary would have known, that sounds like that messianic prophecy I've heard about. And Jesus here um, she says, you're going to name him Jesus or Yeshua, and that means Savior. And so then she finds out that he's going to be great, son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and his kingdom will never end. And as the angel's describing this, the words that are being used, Most High and Lord God, are referring to the Hebrew names for God. El Elyon, the God Most High, and the Lord God, Elohim. So Mary is hearing all these big names of God saying what's going to happen to her. And in the Old Testament, she would have known that the King, uh, King David was promised that God would raise up a seed after him who would have a father-son relationship with God. In fact, God spoke 
to David through the prophet Nathan in 2 Samuel 7:16 about this. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. It's written about in the Psalms as well, Psalm 89, 3-4. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. And this is a word of prophecy coming to David and in the scripture about a hope for the future Messiah. It was a promise that all Israel knew. And so actually Mary would have known of this too. This promise from some 900 years earlier to King David and spoken by the prophets through generation after generation. And here the angel tells Mary, words she would have been familiar with Words that were almost too big for her young mind to imagine and to comprehend. And the angel is telling her, you are the one that God has chosen to bring this Messiah to the earth, to birth this baby. And she says, well, wait a minute. Um, how can that be? I'm a virgin. And then the angel tells her, the Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High, El Elyon, will overshadow you and envelop you in God's presence. That overshadowing of the Holy Spirit, that enveloping of His Spirit, brings to pass the will of God, not just in Mary, but for us. In our lives, as the Holy Spirit overshadows us, He births in us the things that are part of His plan for us as we follow Jesus Christ. It always brings God's plans to pass. And the angel says, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And she's wondering about this, I'm sure. And even though the angel has told her how it's going to happen, she didn't maybe quite understand, quite know if she believed or not. She's, she wants to believe because this is God's will. But then the angel tells her, well, even Elizabeth, your cousin, is going to have a child in her old age. So how would this word help Mary, do you think? Would confirm what the Lord was telling her. Would confirm God's word. Well, I mean, if you look at Mary, she was young, and very young, to have a child, but also the, the fact that that's a very new task, but the Lord said, God said, that she believes in, but also, Somebody who's way older, who you wouldn't think would have a baby, is going to have yeah. a baby. Yeah. So reinforce the fact that you know God can do whatever He wants. Yeah. If you're 14, that yeah. mean that God cannot use you. He uh, use whatever He wants. So even though she's young. God, they're showing her an example of her older cousin who you might think wouldn't be able to have a baby. And so she's seeing that God can do um, amazing, miraculous things. Yes. Uh, it would help her because this is also a miracle. And so no matter what your situation seems to be, no matter how impossible it might seem, no matter even if you personally can't see a way out, when God says something will be accomplished, it will happen. And like the angel said, nothing's impossible with God. No word of God will fail. Anything God says will happen, will happen. And as we trust him and follow him, we can see like, okay, 
Somebody else, their faith has, a miracle's happened here. Someone else has been healed. Someone else has gotten a job when they're looking for a job and can't find one. Somebody else has had this amazing thing happen that God has done in their life. That inspires us and encourages us in our faith to believe God for the miracle that we need in our own lives. So the word had been given to Mary by the angel, but to bring it to completion, she actually had to receive it. She had to receive that word, and she says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. May it happen just like you've said it. So there are times when we might be given a word, either by the Holy Spirit speaking to us, by something we read in the word of God, or maybe by a word that somebody else speaks to us, and we think, wow, that's really great. I can't believe it. That would be amazing. And we too, like Mary, need to pray about that and receive it. Obviously, if an angel came and told you, you know, you don't have to pray, well, is that God? But, I mean, <laughs> for us today, <laughs> if, if we sense that God is telling us, we pray and say, God, thank you for that word. I receive that word of God for me. And we see that, you know, nothing we struggle with. Nothing that's been promised by God. Nothing's impossible if we believe it. And if we say, God, I receive what you have for me. The biggest part of this miracle was almost that Mary said yes. You know? <laughs> May it be to me as you have said. She said that immediately after all this. She asked one question, how was it going to happen? And then she found out. And she immediately said, yeah. Let it be to me just like you've said. Let, let it happen, Lord. She didn't say, um, could, could you wait a little bit? Um, I, this isn't a convenient time, actually. No, she had no conditions. She just said, yes, God. Do we do that? When God speaks to us, do we say, yes, God? May it be to me like you've said. Mary could say yes because she had peace about that decision. She had the peace of God as she was resting in the will of the Lord and allowing him to work through her and accomplish his purpose through her. And here's the thing about this. This would have seemed a bit scandalous at that time. For a young woman who was betrothed to a man to suddenly become pregnant... It would have put in question her purity, her righteousness. And surely for her fiancé, Joseph, it would have seemed like maybe there was a lack of faithfulness to him. It would have seemed a little scandalous. So obviously, she had to tell Joseph. <laughs> and uh, after she told him, let's read what happens in Matthew 1, starting at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Joseph, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. So as we know about this time, at the beginning of this passage, obviously there's just been a discussion. <laughs> and uh, he, he, she shared it with Joseph. And as we see, this is before the second ceremony. They hadn't yet moved Mary into the house of Joseph and consummated the marriage. So verse 19 tells us Joseph is also a righteous man, a righteous person. He wouldn't have been fooling around. And he would know that this child Mary had within her was not his. So it seemed obvious that Mary was not being faithful to him. There hadn't yet been a virgin birth. So this is a totally new concept. It didn't seem like something that he maybe thought he could believe. It was hard for him. But yet, it says he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. And what that is meaning is she would have been made an example of. She would have been called an adulteress and probably even stoned to death. So obviously, Joseph loved Mary. And he didn't want either of those two things to happen to her. He thought if he could just send her away quietly, you know, he could, he could divorce her, secretly release her from the marriage, and all this would be deeply troubling to him for sure. I'm sure th the plans that these two had didn't involve a situation like this. This is like a new thing for, for him to have to deal with. And the, the two of them, even though it was uh, arranged by their parents, I'm sure, seemed like they really loved and cared about each other. And so for this to come up now, Joseph is like, I, I just, I have no choice. I'm just going to have to do this. And then it says, after he considered this. So it meant, meant he spent some time. This wasn't a quick, easy decision for him. He spent time. He was troubled by this. Then he goes to bed one night and has a vision from the Lord in his dream. And the angel of the Lord speaks to him and says, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And the word here in Greek for take is also to receive. Don't be afraid to receive Mary as your wife. A statement that he should just not just marry her later, but that he receives her. She isn't unfaithful. She is the willing servant of the Lord, being used by God to accomplish his will. And part of that plan involves Joseph. Joseph is told that what's in, conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. This is a God thing. This is not a thing of unfaithfulness. This is a God thing. This is a holy, pure thing. She's going to give birth to a son. And Joseph, you are to name him. Give him the name of Jesus, Yeshua, because he will save his people from their sins. And unlike the thought that many had in Israel, the coming of Jesus was not to be as a conquering king, to free them from the rule of the Romans. It says right here, the angel tells him, it's to save the people from their sins. This is the basic need of the people of Israel. 
And again, in verse 22 and 23, we hear the reference to the word of God in Isaiah, that the virgin will be with child and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And then it tells us Joseph woke up, and he did what the angel had told him. He did what the word of the Lord to him was, and he took Mary home to be with him as his wife. But it says that they didn't consummate their marriage until after Jesus was born. Joseph was an honorable man who also did what God asked of him. This was a difficult thing, a difficult thing, but he did it. And he must have also, besides loving Mary, must have loved Jesus. Even though we don't see much more of Joseph in the New Testament, he must have felt honored to be part of God's plan, even just the small role that he had. Joseph had the peace of God here too <clears throat> to get him through this tough situation in his life. To have God's peace to know that his relationship with Mary was now just the way God wanted it to be. All those plans he had had before with her had changed, but he had the peace of God to know that he was following the Lord God and doing what God had commanded him to do. These two situations today, the one with Mary and the one with Joseph, could be times that would make either one of them deeply troubled. And we see at the beginning of them, they are deeply troubled. They are agitated. They're concerned, thinking that the course of their life is about to take this dangerous turn, this turn that would be risky at the very least. But the peace of God gave them the strength that they needed to follow his will. So peace on earth, that's one thing the angels say when Jesus is born, peace on earth. How do we have peace on earth? How does that bring peace on earth? How did the birth of Jesus bring peace on earth? And how do we have peace? Well, the first important thing is that we can't, you and I maybe can't make the whole world be at peace but it starts with us. We individually need to be at peace with God. So how do we have God's peace? Well, as we look at these two people today, Mary and Joseph, the first way to have God's peace is to obey God's word to you. Obey God's word. Psalm 119, 165 says, Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing can make them stumble great peace, wholeness, health, well-being, peace, great peace have those who love your law. That's love the scriptures. When we love the law, that means we're following it. Whatever is written in here in the scriptures that God asks us to do, this is what we do. We obey God's word to us. And then secondly, to have God's peace, turn over the situations of life to Jesus. That's what Mary and Joseph did. They, they turned them over to God. They trusted him. Isaiah 26, 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace. Those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. 
See, as we go through life, there are situations that happen, and the thing that we must do is not look around for help and figuring out, and it's not about money, it's not about um, somebody else helping us. It's mostly about trusting God. God will send people to help. God will send money for situations. God will give us what we need to get through it, but it starts with us trusting him and turning it over to him. In Philippians 4, 6, and 7, it says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So what that means is that every time there's something going on, I want to turn that over to God. I want to pray about it, and I want to thank him, and I want to present that request for his help, for his guidance, for his intervention in my situation. I want to present that to him. And then it tells us in verse 7, And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That means that when I turn those things over to God, when I give him my request, when I tell him, what am I struggling with? What is the thing that's bothering? But I thank him for his answer. And I leave that request with him, that he tells me that his peace which is beyond anything I could understand or comprehend, which is beyond anyone's understanding how that works. Just God knows how that works. His peace guards my heart, guards your heart, guards your mind. If you are having trouble with things coming against you and affecting your mind, turn it over to the Lord Jesus Christ and thank him for the answer and claim that peace of God to guard your heart and guard your mind. John 16, which Gary shared earlier, I've told you these things, Jesus said, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That means that when we are in Christ Jesus, when we are following him, when we are in him, he says we have peace. We have his peace, and it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. He said there's going to be trouble. Hey, if you think there's not, read this verse. <laughs> You're going to have trouble. But the good news is, he says, don't worry about that because I've overcome the world and I'll give you my peace when you're in me. So to have God's peace, obey God's word. Turn over the situations of life to him. And third, ask for the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit, when we ask God to fill us up to overflowing with the Holy Spirit, baptize us, saturate us in the power of the Holy Spirit, he says that you have all joy and peace as you trust in him. And this is not a thing that, you know, you get a little bit, and boy, don't use it up. He's saying, overflowing with hope and power of the Holy Spirit. There's more than enough. God is the God of more than enough. And when you seek him and ask him for what you need, that power of the Holy Spirit each day, God, fill me up with your spirit. Help me to walk through this day. Give me more than I need so I can have the hope and the peace and the joy that your word promises me. Each day we should do that. 
Galatians 5, 22 and 23, that it's also part of the fruit of the Spirit, which means when we have the, the power of the Holy Spirit in us, we should see fruit, we should see evidence of it. And here's part of the evidence is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Love, joy, and peace are the first three there. He's saying there, that that should be in your life because when the Holy Spirit's there, this is part of the fruit. This is part of the evidence that God is working in you. So let's claim this for us today, that as we have that relationship with God, that peace is part of it, that as we have the Holy Spirit's power in our life, peace is part of it. But before any of those things can work, there needs to be Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. The goal of the manger was the cross, mm -hmm. where Jesus would die and then be raised from the dead for us, for our salvation. It says in Colossians 1, 19 and 20, For God was pleased to have all fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on his cross. So for us to have peace, the first thing we need is peace with God, isn't it? To have Jesus Christ in our life as our Lord and Savior. So would you stand with me as we close today? Before we can say, here's how I have God's peace in my life, obeying God's word, turning over situations of life to him, and asking for the power of the Holy Spirit, part of turning over the situations of life is turning over yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, asking him to be your Lord and Savior. Maybe you've made that commitment already and you have a situation in your life that needs God's peace and you're saying, I'm not seeing God's peace in that right now. This is not how I think it should be. This is definitely not peaceful. And maybe you feel today like you just need to turn that situation over to the Lord Jesus Christ because nothing is impossible with God. Let's ask for God's peace in our life. If, if that's you today, that you have a situation and you need to turn that over to the Lord Jesus Christ today, you want to see his peace in that situation, in your own life, God's peace. Just raise your hand. Thank you. As we pray today, there was a, a Zoom meeting I was part of this week with uh, meeting with some other pastors. And uh, the speaker was talking about staying mentally healthy in this time. And maybe right now you're dealing with something, you know, isolation and keeping away and wearing a mask all the time when you're out. Uh, can be really stressful. And he said the, the thing that he does every day to help stay healthy mentally, spiritually, physically, is just to say, Dear Father, you are good. I need your help. 
they need your help. And thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's pray that prayer together. And let's, let's just allow God to take that situation and lift it up to Jesus. So, dear Father, you are good. I need your help. Now just lift that situation up to him. And Lord, they need your help. Thank you in Jesus' name. Lord God, we thank you for this opportunity to, to give to you our situations of our life, to trust you with them, Lord God, that no matter what happens, no matter what turns our life seems to take, Lord, that when we're following you, when we're trusting you, we can hang in there and know that nothing's impossible with God. Father, we ask that we would have the peace of God ruling in our hearts and lives, that as we encounter things each day, like maybe they aren't like Mary and Joseph, but they're pretty stressful, and sometimes they seem kind of risky. And so, Father, we just want to lay that down before you. We want to just say, Lord, here it is. We need your help. Then, Lord, we can ask, fill us with your peace. Fill us with the Holy Spirit's power. Help us, Lord, to get through this, to do what you've called us to. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit daily, as we ask for your strength and your power, would just overshadow us, that you would accomplish your plans in and through us each day. Lord, I pray that during this time of the holidays that can be stressful and hard for so many people, Lord God, that we would have the peace of God ruling in us. We ask, Lord God, that Jesus Christ would be our Prince of Peace, that we would be able to follow you and do what you've called us to and know that we have the peace of God in our hearts. And so, Father, we just ask for your touch right now, physically, mentally, spiritually, that we would know that nothing is impossible with you, Lord God. And we just want to live that out each day of our lives. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do this week in us. In Jesus' name, amen.